me a mission, I got demons to slay. Communication made you talk in this way. Anxious world, what's going on, my people? I thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Anxiety About Anxiety podcast. Like always, I'm your very grateful host, Keith. You know, doing my part, using my voice and my platform to keep on breaking the stigma behind mental health. And I think we're doing a good job on this, you know, podcast. Um, You know, we done shared a lot of stories and just been an inspiration for a lot of people, been an inspiration in my life just to, you know, do, do what I'm doing, you know, and keep moving forward, you know, through my personal challenges that I have, you know, had and continue to have throughout life. You know, I just keep doing what I got to do because I believe in this platform. I believe in this podcast. I believe in what it's doing for people. You know, I, you know, I go through times of um, self-doubt. You know, I've been battling with that as of late. I don't know where it's coming from. But, you know, as a person who, you know, deals with anxiety and self-doubt was one of those things that I struggle with. I can see why, you know, it bubbles up from time to time. You know, I trying to keep my I don't I don't know what it is I'm just trying to stay focused on my mission and you know trying to um, create a whole nother new podcast for males for men to come on and talk about you know their mental health struggles and continue to do this and you know sometimes you can start to doubt yourself and or just I don't know to feel like you know this is not working you know what am I doing and um, just I don't I don't know what it really is but I've felt that a little bit throughout the last couple of weeks, but like I always say, you know, I, I I'm learning to, you know, know that it, learning that it's just a thought. I'm not gonna let that thought define me, and I ain't gonna, I ain't, I'm not gonna let those thoughts, you know, slow me down from doing what I'm doing. I'm gonna keep, you know, pushing forward and keep, you know, doing what I think is the right thing to do. But uh, yeah, I've been. <laughs> I didn't had those uh, moments, man, where I'm just, I'm down on myself. But I keep on just thinking about the the millions of people out there that's, you know, going through similar situations and might need a an outlet or might need to hear somebody that's going through some similar things that, you know, to feel like they're not alone out there. And it, I just can't stop doing what I do. So, yeah, that's a little bit about what I'm going through the last couple of weeks, but the show must go on and I am here to do that. So on this episode you're going to hear the story of Adam Clark. And Adam's going to talk about uh his his personal battle with the pet with depression. Um he's going to talk about being uh in a relationship with another with another spouse that also dealt with depression and his journey uh as uh his journey to becoming a mental health first aider, which I think is an amazing idea. You know, I would love to be a mental health first aider myself. Basically, you know, um, he's he's someone people when when a person going through a, a a certain mental health crisis or whatever it may be, you know, they can call on him and you know he can talk to them and give them you know uh, pointers and tips and just to be just just to be an ear for somebody because sometimes we just need to talk to somebody. And so he's like that first line of defense, you know, that people call on and, you know, he can be there to be a support system for them. Um, I think that is amazing. That's something that I would love to get into eventually. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm really 
I'm I'm really thrilled that Adam was, you know, brave enough and just, you know, being, you know, just being a, like a an inspirational person to come on here and tell this story. And yeah, thank you, Adam. I really, really do appreciate it. And the title of his episode is "You're as lonely as you make yourself," which is so true. You know, sometimes we can isolate ourselves and you know stay away from people, and then you, you obviously you become lonely. Sometimes we just need to open up and, you know, get out a little bit, get out of our comfort zone and just open up to people and, you know, just go make some friends sometimes. But, uh, yeah, let's get into this episode. Um, uh, Continue to support the podcast, you know, subscribe, rate, review, follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Anxiety About Anxiety. I thank thank you all for the support and I'm going to keep doing what I got to do. Um, the Anxious Male Perspective Podcast is on the way. I'm shooting for a July 12th release date. I'm doing a lot of work. I got a lot of recordings. I'm trying to put everything together. Um, it's available right now. Like I got, I got a trailer up. I don't really got a first episode up. So, you know, you can get it on Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts. You know, you can go follow it if you want to. And, you know, wait for the new uh, episodes to come out. But uh, yeah, so July 12th, I'm excited about that. I'm doing a lot of hard work. So once again, the Anxious Male Perspective podcast, a podcast for men to come on and talk about their you know, feelings towards mental health, to, uh, you know, start a conversation. So be on the lookout for that. Um, and then I'll be back next week. I might actually do uh, a little like bonus episode. I don't know. Sometime this week. I just I feel like I need to vent and express my feelings. So I might do a little separate episode monday or tuesday i don't know we'll see but until then let's get into this episode of adams so thank you all for tuning in to the anxiety about anxiety podcast what i like to call therapy for your soul everybody hi there i'm adam clark i'm a host of the three men and their babies podcast and I appear on Twitch as well, streaming games on twitch.tv slash dekler, D-W-E-K-L-E-R. A uh, bit of background about myself. I'm a uh, late 30s male uh, from the UK, England specifically, uh, in the beautiful county of Lincolnshire. And I've dealt with mental health in a variety of of ways in my life. Uh, I've dealt with it both personally, having experienced a variety of mental health issues. I've been a carer for someone with mental health issues as well, my now ex-wife, and uh, it's been to the point where I've learnt how to support other people with mental health issues by becoming a mental health first aider. Uh, In my workplace, and helping train other people to undertake mental health first aid to support people in their own workplaces. In my own life, as I mentioned earlier, I've dealt with a variety of mental health issues personally. The main one has been depression. Um, Depression has hit me in a lot of ways over my life. It started when I was quite young. I say quite young, but I think a lot of lot of people do develop mental health issues in, in their teens, which is when uh, 
I developed them. It was around, when I was around kind of 13, uh, so starting what we call secondary school in the UK, the seventh year of proper full-time education, and transitioning from a, a primary school setting, which is what comes before, where everything's quite simple, you know, you're learning about the basics, maths and uh, art and English, and you're with a group of children that you've been with your entire life, you know, as far back as you can remember. You know these people, you've been in the same class with them. A few children may come and go, but you know them, you know each other quite well. And transitioning to a secondary school in a, a different part of my county uh, that I lived in, I found that a hugely upsetting transition. I, I went to a secondary school in a town that I didn't know, never been to before. Uh, no one at that school was someone that I knew. And so having to go through that experience of, right, okay, I'm going to make friends and I'm going to develop my personality with new people who I've never met before in my entire life, that, that was a big issue. And it resulted in me actually feeling quite lonely at the time and that was the start of my depression as a kid was feeling lonely feeling quite isolated uh, feeling kind of inward focused rather than having that ability to talk to people introduce myself and that's something that's carried on throughout my life it's it's something that I'm aware of is an issue with me communication issues which is surprising for someone who hosts a podcast and streams it in front of people playing video games you wouldn't think it'd be communication issues but that's fine when they're not in the room talking to me and looking at my face <laughs> that's that's when i have the issues so the depression started then and it developed throughout my teenage years you know loneliness and isolationism combined with a changing body raging hormones uh, and being bullied and things like that at school that, that just got worse and worse until eventually I felt there was no, no way out of it. I didn't have energy to do anything. I didn't have a propensity or desire to make friends or socialize with people. I didn't have anyone to talk to, which was a big thing, uh, especially then, that I, I felt quite isolated. Self-imposed, but also if if I wanted to talk to someone, I, I had no one to talk to and I didn't know where to go. And it came to the point where with the bullying, with the isolationism, with no clear direction of where I can go from here, that I tried to take my own life. And being the idiot child I was, I decided to take an overdose and I say idiot child, not as a criticism of anyone who has uh, attempted suicide or undergone uh, suicide. Uh, I, I did it by trying to take an overdose of whatever pills I could find around the house. And <laughs> there was a variety of tablets, uh, including indigestion tablets, uh, headache tablets, uh, worming tablets for a pet. Uh, and that cocktail wasn't enough to do anything other than make me feel <laughs> very stupid and I have to use the toilet quite badly afterwards. So that 
as embarrassing as it is to admit that I was such an idiot child for doing it, it was also the wake-up call for me that actually, if I had gone through with this and hadn't cocked it up so badly by not knowing what to do, not having a clear plan, just reacting, what would have happened? What would my family have done? What would I have missed out on? And that changed my focus. It didn't get rid of my depression, but it made me realise that suicide wasn't a way out. So I needed to seek another way out. And that is the turning point for me in my life where actually I realised this is this isolation is a problem. This me being on my own is the issue. And I need to make friends. I need to be social. I need to talk to people. And I started doing that. I, I talk to people, not about my mental health, not about, hey, I'm, I'm a guy who's really lonely and has tried to kill myself as a result of that, but going, you know what, I, I am very socially awkward, I need to resolve this, the only way I'm going to resolve it is by actually experiencing that side of things and learning from my mistakes. And it was a rocky road. It, it took a while. But I made some fast friends. Friends I still have now, even in my late 30s. You know, over 20 years I've had these friends. And they're friends I can rely on, I can talk to, and have that communication with. But that depression never went away. It never disappeared. It, it shrunk, as I see it. I, I like to say, it shrunk and it hid itself away within me. But I knew it was there. I knew it was always there and could always come back at any time. And I did whatever I could to ignore it, which was the biggest issue then leading on to how I've ended up where I am now. By ignoring this depression, this, this illness, which is what it is, it's mental illness, I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't process it. I, I couldn't get to a, a state of mental health and well-being that I needed to be at to cope with life fully. And I reacted out. Rather than being the, the previous, you know, social wallflower and person who just got ignored for everything, I went completely the opposite end of the spectrum by being as social as possible integrating myself into as many people's like social events as possible uh, acting up you know trying to draw attention to myself through different actions by telling jokes and just generally being a bit of an idiot and the butt of people's jokes and that carried on until I was within university and met my uh, ex-partner who had 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 similar issues in the past, but had dealt with them very well. But at that point, was going through something very similar that I went to when I started university. I'm going through a lot of anxiety, a lot of social anxiety, uh, and a lot of issues with being in this new environment on their own, without friends, without family behind them, and having to deal with that on a day-by-day -day basis. And we found we were quite similar 
as a result of that and spent a lot of time together and eventually started dating and eventually started to rely on each other and support each other through that and I found that this caring this this shift of a focus onto someone else who's having an issue that I have dealt with is really helping me with my issues and what they're talking about to me and the advice that I'm giving to them is advice I should be giving myself the the, the seriousness of what they said to me and you know how they felt how alone they felt at times and the worries that they had that fed into their anxiety was an eye-opener I didn't realize at that time that other people could feel like that that other people could feel worse that other people had no way out of it and other people weren't idiots like I was as a teenager and went through with suicide and died as a result of it and the impact that that could have and it matured me with regards to mental health which is a key thing I think was lacking back then the world is a completely different place now and the taboo nature of mental health just doesn't exist apart from in some small quarters and the ability to talk to people and to gain support from that is much wider than it was back then and this was only you know the turn of the millennium uh, about 2002-2001 that I was experiencing this not that long ago when you think about it 20 odd years is a long time but it doesn't seem that long ago society wise from that point although we we supported each other and you know eventually we moved and we had moved in together and eventually had children together that crux of the depression came back for both of us uh, after the birth of our second child, uh, my little boy, he is amazing, but unfortunately, we didn't think so at the time, as both of us suffer from uh, postpartum depression, very severely in both cases. We already had a child to look after, he was younger than three years old, we had another child to deal with, we had our own lives to try and sort out and it got the better of us and neither of us had that support because again we were living in an area where we had no kind of social connections apart from through work we had no family in the immediate vicinity we were isolated again we had isolated ourselves thinking we are all we need we can support each other and it's not true when both of you are feeling the exact same way you can't support each other you make it worse for each other Uh, and eventually we separated as a result of that as well as other factors of course as with all breakups but that that was a big issue with it and that separation was the lowest point for me and that is when I knew what I could do to actually go through with suicide and I didn't I didn't want to because I had children that was my focus no matter how alone I was because it was just literally me and my two very young children and I only had them you know half of the week uh, 
property to shared custody agreement it, the rest of the time I was alone and that's when I knew I needed proper support and so I took the step of speaking to a professional uh, my GP in the first instance so this is my doctor uh, NHS doctor local doctor uh, I spoke to him and said look these are the issues I'm facing I'm lonely I'm depressed I don't see much point in living apart from my children I need to get out of this because I don't want that as an action and the, the doctor I spoke to was genuine caring but very open and honest about the level of support that would be available to me which wasn't much because so many other people needed help that the waiting list for therapy or CBT anything like that was months it was like two months for a waiting list and I agreed obviously and said yes put me on the waiting list because I need this support as soon as possible and then went ahead with saying okay there are other options to you have you considered medication have you considered exercise and I was a very overweight chappy back then uh, so obviously no exercise wasn't something I'd ever considered and he said to me look there's a gym five minute walk from your house and this is a gym where you can pay a very minimal amount because the NHS will support you with your membership of that gym because it will help you lose weight it will help you eat healthily and be physically well and it has such a, a huge impact on mental health which of course it does it releases endorphins it's it's great afterwards getting up to that point where you're actually rocking up to the gym in your gear just going I don't know what I'm doing I've never been in a gym in my entire life that's a big issue uh, but I did it and actually having a focus for self-improvement that wasn't mental that wasn't me saying right you need to sit down and be happy how am I going to be happy there's there's no way to force myself to do that but I could force myself to change my physical body to increase my health increase my well-being in that sense and the impact that had on me afterwards was fantastic the depression abated again didn't go away but I didn't hide from it at this point uh, eventually I, I formed another relationship uh, we got married after a few years we had a child together uh, we are currently going through the process of divorce uh, and separation because unfortunately it, it didn't work out again my my ex-wife she is uh, someone who's had uh, a, a very checkered mental health history uh, and with actual diagnosed mental illnesses that are quite severe severe anxiety depression some psychosis and as much as I could help her along again with other factors it got to the point where we we couldn't support each other in any way anymore uh, and unlike the first time I knew what to do in those interim years between that first step to actually being independent and developing my well-being I focused on 
my mental health. I attended therapy sessions. I attended uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT sessions. I improved my physical fitness a huge amount, which has slid over the years. But I'm, you know, I've got a dad bod. I'm in my late uh, late 30s, early 40s soon. So I I forgive myself for that a bit. Uh, my, My life improved. My mood improved. My depression resolved itself to a degree and through caring for my ex-wife and supporting her through her sessions in hospital uh, where she was uh, basically admitted onto a mental health ward for her own safety with her development with an experimentation with different medications to try and find the right balance for it prescribed medications I do need to make that clear uh, to try and see what suits her mental well-being the best uh, I got interested in that type of support that talk therapy and got the opportunity through uh, a charity in the UK called St John's Ambulance who usually do uh, physical first aid support at different events and they do training for physical first aid they provided training for mental health first aid and I'd never heard of this before. Uh, There are various organisations that provide it uh, so I won't promote any of those over any others but the the organisation I went through that uh, undertook the training had very specific kind of guidelines on these are the situations you may face these are the Uh, types of support you can offer in that role and these are the actions that you can take as a result very much like physical first aid you're faced with an issue this is how you deal with it this is when you hand it over to the professionals and I found that had kind of removed the veil from my eyes as to gaining an understanding of such a wide range of mental health issues and issues that I hadn't experienced myself, uh, su- such as schizophrenia, uh, dependency issues on alcohol and drugs that I've been lucky enough not to experience, uh, and other other things that I had experienced, and I could actually feed back into the sessions and go, well, in my experience, th- you know, this happened. And this has got to the point where now I have been the the first aider for mental health for uh, my employers, which is a, a local government sector with thousands of employees, and to the point now where I train other people to become mental health first aiders. This program has been recognised as being so important by local government that it's being rolled out across local representatives from the police service, the fire service, uh, the uh, health service, the NHS and local government services Uh, and I've been involved in that project and it's so important to me because having that person to talk to when you're in a crisis can be the thing that saves you from doing something that maybe you will, would look back on and go, I can't believe I felt that I wanted to do that. Because I look back on that idiotic child I was, raiding the, the tablets 
drawers in in my house and binging on indigestion tablets and thinking if you had gone through with this this life that I have now these children that I have now these relationships that I have now they they would never have existed it's not just me that I would have affected it's all of those other people in my life and I want to offer that level of support and that level of level of realization almost to other people through talking through being there for them when they need me like I've done with my ex-partners like I've done with friends like I've done with family members doing it with strangers is no different today I have done it last week I have done it I've helped someone with suicidal tendencies save themselves and I can't feel happier about that than I do now because I am making the difference in someone's life that I needed myself so for for anyone listening to this if you are feeling you need support there are people out there who will listen doesn't matter whether they're paid to or not whether they're volunteering through a charity or not whether you're related to them whether they're a friend whether they're a partner whether it's one of your own children it doesn't matter because that person will listen to you they may be judgmental in their own minds certainly you find that more if you do talk to people who know you but certainly talking to strangers talking to people who have had some training and have had experience and knowledge like a mental health first aider can be the thing that allows you to sort out in your own mind what you want to do and I I strongly recommend you do that because we're out there the people who want to help you and we we want that we want you to be healthy and happy and helped that's all we want we want you to be the person that we were at that point that coped with it and got past it and got to the point where we want to support others we want you to join us effectively so you can do it for other people and you can save them but that's my story thank you very much for the opportunity and thank you very much for listening all the best Toodaloo.